That was excellent. My favorite part of this morning, and I'm sorry, Scott, I'm going I'm to talk about you. My leadership team and I, we prayed before service, and uh, as we were praying, prayed, hey, I'm just, you know, praying for this morning, and one of my favorite songs, and if you know Scott Anderson, you know, I, you know who he is, and uh, I was like, at the end, I was like, wait, Learn to Fly is your favorite song? He's like, I love the Foo Fighters, and I was like, yes, Scott, we are, we are so close in so many ways. Yes, I love it, so on October 18th, as I mentioned, 1999, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters released that smash hit, Learn to Fly. How many of you knew that song as soon as they started playing it? Yeah, many of you know it. It won the Grammy, actually, that year for the best music video. It's a really interesting music video. He's on an airplane, the whole thing. And the Foo Fighters would go on to become one of the great rock bands of the last 20 years. And in addition to a super catchy melody and driving rock beat, that song, Learn to Fly, it started to reach a generation with its lyrics about searching for something beyond what we can just see and feel. It became this anthem, if you will, of those looking for something outside themselves to bring about peace and tranquility in their lives. Now, ironically, a couple years ago, Dave Grohl was on uh, the Kelly Clarkson show, and she was asking about this song, and she was like, tell us what, why you wrote this song, like what was, and I'm sure she was looking for like this just really spiritual moment where he had, and he's like, honestly, I actually just wanted to learn to fly. I wanted to be a pilot, and so I wrote that song. <laughs> now, regardless of whatever his initial intentions were for that song, the, the song really took on a life of its own and became way more than about someone trying to figure out what it might mean for them to actually fly a plane. Now, while I spent my childhood in the 1980s, I really grew up in the 1990s. And that is where my love of music was influenced by so many. Uh, my kids often tease me uh, for my playlists on Spotify, and that's totally fine. They can be wrong about some things, too. Um, but at the heart of it was grunge rock. Uh, come out of the Pacific Northwest, and I had lots of grunge rock in my CD uh, folder. You remember those giant folders that you had with all the CDs? We still got that in my house. You would find bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden and Alice in Change, Stone Temple Pilots, and of course, the Foo Fighters. Learn to Fly was one of those songs that became something that was in constant rotation among the songs that I listened to at the time. And Upon reflection on the song, I realize that the chorus of the song seems to indicate this universal desire that people have. Let me just read the chorus of the song. It says, now I'm looking to the sky to save me, looking for a sign of life, looking for something to help me burn out bright. I'm looking for a complication, looking because I'm tired of trying, make my way back home when I learn to fly. High. Now, here's the thing. In a world that has the power to bend and break a person, we are all, whether we realize it or not, we are all on the search for something to save us, for something to give us a sign of life, to give us some meaning. We're all desperate for the answers we're looking for. And we are, I know some of you are right there right now, tired of trying so hard. We're a look 
anywhere and search anywhere to find what we are truly looking for, for peace, for joy, for salvation. But we know as Christians that ultimately there is only one place where our searching is met with the salvation meaning purpose and plan that we desire. And that is where we're going to turn our attention to this morning, because I think the song Learn to Fly poses some questions for us, but it doesn't give us a lot of answers. So we're going to look to the scriptures for the answers this morning. So if you haven't done so yet, grab your phone and open up the Uversion app, go to More and Events, and select Genesis Church. You'll find everything I'm going to cover there. Or if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be starting in the book of Psalms. Well, again, we are uh, doing this Summer Jam series for the first, fourth time in the last five Junes, and we have done a different version of series of messages throughout the years. Uh, this year, we're going back to looking at the different decades, 80s, 90s, if you're a child of the early 2000s. Come back next week. By the way, next week is Father's Day, and it is a perfect song for Father's Day. So bring your dad or your brother or your uncle, whatever. It's going to be a great time. And in it, we are taking songs that many of us know, some of us grew up on, we've heard on the radio, we've listened to um, ad nauseum at different places. And then we're trying to look at how does the song like that actually attach to what God has to say in the scriptures. And the reason that I do this is not just so that we can play great songs from our past in church, although that is pretty awesome. (laughs) The other reason that I do this is that I am a firm believer, we are a firm believer, that God is at work all the time. And that he's not just at work in the church, but that he's actually at work in all the world especially in the poets and songwriters of our generations. It's interesting, in the Bible, it says this in Psalm 24, 1, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And so it should come as no surprise that a lot of spiritual messages might find their way into pop culture, songs, art, video, movies, theater, all of that. You can watch and see some things and go, oh my goodness, this isn't just about a storyline that some guy wrote. This is about God. We believe that God is active in the world and that our job as Christians isn't to be the the people that go and bring Jesus to the world, but instead meet Jesus where he's already working, okay? Okay. So we believe that the earth is God's and everything in it, including Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, right? And Bon Jovi. Therefore, we should fully expect that God is moving and speaking in and through people like the poets and the songwriters of our generation. Now, as it pertains to the song for today, God actually has a lot to say to the listeners of the song Learn to Fly, starting in Psalm chapter 63. Now, we know uh, from the start of the psalm, there's a little bit of dictation about when the psalm was written, right before the first verse. And in your Bible, you might read that. And it says that David wrote Psalm 63 while he was in, in in the wilderness on the run. Now, David, he is on the run a couple of times 
in his life. Uh, For the first time, he is on the run from Saul, the current king, who's after David because David is the proposed new king, and Saul is jealous of that, and he wants to eradicate David from the earth. The second time David is on the run is from his treasonous son, Absalom. And in both cases, David is innocent in the matter, But because of his status and the increasing jealousy of his enemies, he is being hunted down. And so in Psalm 63, it says that David is writing in the wilderness while he is on the run during one of these moments. And this is what he writes in verse 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. These are the words of someone who recognizes there is only one source for his survival. Spiritually and otherwise, there is only one answer he realizes for his situation. David has come to the end of himself. And he's determined that the only appropriate place to turn his attention is to God. Now, David would go on to build an incredibly faithful and prosperous kingdom, and he would be labeled a man after God's own heart. He was by no means perfect, right? We, we know from the stories in First and Second Samuel that, well, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer, he was a liar. But because his spiritual compass, if you will, was constantly pointed towards God, David found what we are all looking for. He found the same thing that Dave Grohl talks about in the song Learn to Fly. David, because his spiritual compass was pointed at Jesus at all times, was pointed at God, no matter what, he found peace, he found purpose, and he found new life. Now, eventually, David's prayer and desire for these things would come to fulfillment in the person of Jesus. And then we see Jesus encourage people to do the same thing that David does in Psalm chapter 63. For example, in John chapter 4, Jesus is sitting with a woman at a well in Samaria. Now, Samaria was an unlikely place for a rabbi, uh, a beloved rabbi at that, to be found. Samaria and Jerusalem or Judah were constantly at odds with each other. There were a lot of reasons for that, that, but they just didn't like each other very much. And yet Jesus is sitting at this well with this woman, and he starts to have this conversation with her. And then he tells her what she's really looking for. And he says this in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Speaking of the water in the well, but those who drink the water I give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Have you ever noticed that not every drink satisfies your thirst the same way? Uh, For instance, um, I mention this a lot, but on Wednesday nights I play hockey with a bunch of guys, 
And when I play hockey, I bring this water bottle with me so that I can take sips of water to refresh myself between times when I'm on the ice, because I'm on and off the ice a lot. And I got to thinking this week, I cannot imagine what it would feel like or taste like or be like if instead of water, you filled my water bottle during my hockey game with hot coffee. That would not quench my thirst, right? Or if you filled it with soda or kombucha or God forbid wine, right? Like I would, it would not quench my thirst in the way that water would in those moments. Because not everything we drink actually quenches our thirst. In fact, in some cases, the thing that you drink actually makes you thirsty more. Have you found that to be true? And that is a fact that's true physically and spiritually. You know, when we try to quench our spiritual thirst with drinks from the faucet of this world, you will never find the relief you're looking for. It will only leave you craving more. And like David, Jesus says, if you want to experience true relief in this life, drink the water that can only be found in me. Drink from the faucet of eternal life. It bubbles up new life in you and gives you the hope of eternal life in this world. It's a drink that truly quenches your spiritual thirst. And so Jesus is essentially saying, I want you to fix your attention on me in your searching. I know you're looking for something to save you. I know you're tired of trying. I know you're looking for the answers. I know you're looking for relief. Fix your eyes on me for your purpose. Turn your longing to me. Doing so will then be able to enable you to find relief and rest for your soul. It's only in me that your thirst for more in this life and the life beyond this is quenched. And likewise, Jesus makes a similar claim about where our attention ought to be in order to discover the true purpose of meaning and love we live. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now again, Jesus is directing our attention to the one and only thing that can truly satisfy and bring hope, God and his kingdom. Now seeking the kingdom of God is sort of this ethereal idea. Like what does that really mean? Sometimes I think about that. Like how do I actually seek a kingdom that I cannot actually see with my own two eyes? But it begins with a surrendered life to Jesus and continues through the constant pursuit of God through worship, through prayer, through reading scripture, through service, through generosity, just to name a few. To seek the kingdom of God means that we commit ourselves to understand our lives and the world we live in in light of what God has done, said, and is doing in the world. That everything that we do, we do with a desire to see God's kingdom at work in our world. For instance, if we're seeking God above everything else, our work life then should be viewed in light of what God desires of us while doing the work we've been called to. Our financial world should be viewed of in light of what God has to say about handling our finances and getting out of debt and giving generously. 
Our physical well-being should be viewed in light of what God has said about caring for our bodies and taking time to rest. Our relationships should be viewed in light of how God has instructed us to interact with each other, showing love and compassion, serving each other in very practical, meaningful ways, dealing directly with conflict. You know, our calling and our vocation in life should be viewed in light of what it means to be a member of God's kingdom and seek its expansion in the ways we are able. To seek God's kingdom above all else, is the blueprint for how followers of Jesus do everything, right? It is our mode of operation for searching for God's instruction and meaning and purpose in our lives. We do everything through the filter of God's kingdom purposes. And we know about that because he's told us in the scriptures and he's exampled it through Jesus. Now, all that said, I want, I want to make mention of what Jesus also says in this verse, right? He says, seek the kingdom above all else, but he also says, and live righteously. Only then, he says, will we receive everything we need and have been looking for. Now, James, Jesus' half-brother, was less delicate, if you will, in the way that he says this same thing in James chapter 1, verse 22, where he says, don't just listen to God's word. You got to do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Don't just say you're going to seek God's word and don't just look for God's kingdom in the world. But then when you find it and you hear of it and you're instructed in ways, actually do what God says. What a grand idea, right? You know, you think about this with me for a minute. How ridiculous is it for us to say that it is in seeking God and his kingdom that we find what we desperately need and looking for in this life, but then we never actually do what he says. How silly. It's a bit like going to a personal trainer, right? Because you want to get into shape. You want to take care of your body. You want to feel better. You want to look better. You want, to, you want your, you know, your heart beats per minute to go down so you don't have a heart attack. You want to do all of these things. You're seeking what you want in the right place. You're at the gym. You're with the personal trainer. But you'll never actually experience the results you want until you do what the trainer says. I work out at Vasa across the street here. And... I'm, I see the same people all the time, right? But then I see people working with their personal trainers. And uh, I'm always like, yeah, that's awesome. But I wonder sometimes how many times somebody goes to a personal trainer one time and then never goes back again, right? They're desperate to find what they're looking for and they're in the right place. And the personal trainer said, look, you can do this. If you do these things, you can get into shape. You can feel better about yourself. You can actually, you know, get rid of some of your, your high blood pressure and some of those things, do these things and they leave and then they never do it. How silly, right? What a waste of a hundred bucks or whatever it costs for a personal trainer. It's time to get real for a minute for us, I think, because here's the reality. You can come to church every Sunday and you could read your Bibles regularly and you can join a group and you can, never, you can actually you can get to the point where you will never find or experience the life change that comes through Jesus. Just because you show up, just because you look for the kingdom of God, 
doesn't mean you'll actually find what you look for. You know, all those things are good and they're necessary. They really are for us to seek the kingdom of God. But until we actually start to do what God is teaching and instructing us through all of our seeking, James says, you're just fooling yourself. What a waste of time. What a waste of time to just show up on a Sunday and look and seek for God, you know, in in his kingdom and his purposes and then leave and never do anything about it. What a giant waste of time that is. It's like going to a personal trainer to get in shape and then leaving and then never doing anything. What a waste of money. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what God desires for you. Now, like on a practical level, this works out in a lot of different ways. Let me just give a couple examples, okay? So if you seek God's kingdom, you're going to learn some principles about how he has set things up regarding your finances. And one of the principles is this, don't go into debt. And if you are in debt, get out as fast as you possibly can, okay? Now, here's the thing. Most of us already know that. I mean, if you've been around the Christian life at all, you know that. And even if you haven't, you've heard Dave Ramsey at some point in your life. That guy's everywhere, right? You know that that is true. But how many of us are actually doing it? That, that is where we go from seeking God's kingdom to actually experiencing God's kingdom to do what he says. Likewise, um, if you're truly seeking God's kingdom, doing what Jesus says in the book of Matthew, you'll learn some instructions regarding how we deal with conflict with each other. And they're not real pleasant because it calls us to something we don't like to do, right? Matthew chapter 18, Jesus makes it really clear. If there's a conflict between you and another person, what are you supposed to do? What, what's that? Go, you're supposed to go talk to them, Right? You're supposed to go talk to them. But what do we like to do? To we like to talk to everybody else, <laughs> right? And so we know, look, this is what God's kingdom calls us to. And if we're seeking God's kingdom, he's calling us to this different way of life that leads to peace and tranquility and good relationships, even when it's difficult. And yet we don't do it. And James says, you're being foolish. You're fool. What a waste of time for you to sit there and seek after God and all of us and, oh God, I want to follow you and then never do what he actually says. So many of us, I think, are left searching for more even when we follow Jesus because we're unwilling to do what he actually calls us to do. And so isn't it funny that we as Christians will find us looking in all of these other places for the thing that Jesus says will finally quench our thirst. Why? I don't think it's because we don't desire to seek God's kingdom. I think we do. I think it is. We stop when God calls us to start living righteously. I'm not saying this is easy, okay? especially when we've been doing things contrary to how God's kingdom is set up for so long. But if we want to find what we've been desperately searching for, with God's help, we'll have to make some changes on how we live. And we're going to need community around us to help us do that. 
You know, the song Learn to Fly truly is an anthem for our generation. We're all looking for something to save us. We're looking for something to help us. We're all sick of trying to do it all with no luck. And fortunately, God has provided the answer to all of our searching through Jesus. Our thirst for salvation and purpose and rest is quenched. In seeking God's kingdom, we find all that we have ever needed. By doing what God has said, we experience the change we are all desperate for in our life. So I want to ask you a few questions this morning. And I really want to challenge you to be honest with yourself. And the question I want to ask first is this, what faucet are you drinking from to quench your thirst these days? I mean, it's unavoidable, right? We're all looking for someone or something to quench our thirst in this life. We drink from the faucet of money and success and power and sex and inclusion and acceptance, you name it. We will look anywhere to quench our thirst, even for just a moment, We will binge watch and scroll endlessly and spend wildly in attempt to get some relief or satisfaction. I know I just got up in your face a little and that's okay. We need that this morning. But like drinking hot coffee during my hockey games, none of it will truly quench the thirst your soul has. It won't do it. Not for the long term. It is only by placing your faith in and surrendering to the will of Jesus that your soul will be satisfied. It is only by drinking from the faucet that comes from and through Jesus Christ that your thirst will finally be quenched. What faucet are you truly drinking from these days? Second question, where are you looking these days? Where is your attention? Is it on God's kingdom and its purposes or is it on your kingdom? and your purposes. Only the former will lead you to salvation and rest. Seeking your kingdom, trust it. Take it from me, right? I've I've done this. Seeking your kingdom will ultimately leave you unsatisfied, anxious, and constantly looking for more. And not to mention, it will likely have a very negative impact on your relationships and the world around you. Where's your attention? Where are you looking these days for all of your answers? And then lastly, what is God calling you to do next? Now, it's likely you're hearing all of this and God might be stirring something in you. You know that you need to put what you know into action. You've been seeking God and his kingdom and you know there are some things that God is calling you to do next. And you, so you're, you're considering what does that look like? Maybe you've been avoiding God's instruction to deal with your financial mess. Or maybe you've been ignoring God's desire for you to carve out consistent time with him every day. Or maybe you've been pushing back the need to have an honest and loving conversation with someone who's hurt you or you have conflict with. What is God calling you to do next? Or, you know, maybe you know right now that you've been drinking from all of the wrong faucets and you've been looking in all of the wrong directions and you realize For me to truly experience life as it was intended, I need to turn my attention and direction in the person of Jesus. It's very possible that your heart and soul realize in this moment, nothing in this world will ever truly satisfy like Jesus. You know, because you've tried all of it and it's left you thirsting for more. 
If that's you, let me just read the words of Jesus to you this morning. He's saying to you in places like Matthew chapter 7, he's saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And in doing so, Jesus is promising to give you what you've always needed and wanted. And he's saying to you, if you do that, if you ask, you seek and you knock and you look in my direction, here is what you will receive. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You could even put, I will quench your thirst. I will give you what you've been looking for. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. We sing the song, Learn to Fly, because it's catchy and we've heard it. But really, there's a deeper issue going on in that song. A deep desire for all of us to really want to find that thing that will save us. And we look to the sky, we look to the world, and we look everywhere, and we drink from all of the faucets of this world, and we find out that nothing in this world will ever truly satisfy. And it's only until we turn to the one who said, come to me and I will give you rest, that we actually experience it in our lives. And so this morning, I'm inviting you closer to the person of Jesus to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously because it's there that you'll find everything that your heart desires. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful for the way in which you continue to work and move in the world that we know. I am so grateful for the words of David in Psalm 63 and the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. The reminder that in our searching, there's ultimately only one place where our thirst is quenched, where we find what we're desperate to, de desperately looking for, and that's in the person of Jesus. And so may our attention and may our hearts be fixated on him this morning. May we build a firm foundation upon him. God, I know that you are calling us to something new this morning. That you're pointing out in our hearts and our minds the faucets that we are drinking from that will never truly satisfy. That you're, you're calling us to look in your direction in a new and fresh way. You're calling us to something new to do, God, that you're instructing us to go and to be the person you've called us to be. And so I pray that your spirit would not leave us in that, but God, that it would continue to move in us as we leave this space this morning. For those who are here this morning who maybe they need to take a step of faith in your direction for the first time, God, I pray that in their hearts they would do so, that they would know that the only thing they are required to do is to simply say yes to you. The invitation is there to come to you to receive rest. I pray, God, that they would take that step this morning, that it would change their life forever and ever. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his everlasting love. 
and devotion to us that even when we fixate on the wrong things, when we drink from the wrong faucets of this world, that he keeps calling us back. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come back to me and I will give you rest. Come back to me and you will find what you are looking for. May we seek your kingdom. May we drink and be quenched of our thirst in you and Jesus. May you be exalted in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name.